This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. This is the second podcast in which we are exploring how regional planning councils have supported economic development projects. In the first part, Stephen Ray, the director of the North Central Indiana Regional Planning Council, explained the basics about regional planning councils, how they're funded, their function, and how they operate. And we will only briefly revisit that topic in this podcast, but the purpose of this session is to provide a different case study about how a regional planning council has supported an economic development initiative. So this time we're focusing on a project in Southern Indiana, and today joining me are Greg Jones, Director of the Southern Indiana Development Commission, Jeff Quile, President and CEO of Radius Indiana, Chris Paff, CEO of Knox County Development Corporation, and Nicole Like, CEO and President of the Pantheon in Vincennes, Indiana. And I understand that Nicole is a former staff member with the Southern Indiana Development Commission, so she's going to bring an added dimension to this conversation. And I appreciate all of you taking time to be with me today and and have this conversation. So, Greg, I'm going to start with you. Um, As I mentioned, we covered the basics of regional planning councils in a previous podcast, but I'd like you to give me a very abbreviated explanation of the function of regional planning councils. All right. Thank you, Lee. Uh, Regional planning commissions are an extension of local government. They are there to assess the needs of the region and implement regional and local initiatives that move the region toward better economic prosperity, whatever that means. That could mean economic prosperity or quality of life initiatives. It's important to mention we are not elected. So our organization uh, often helps projects that span multiple administrations, assuring that good projects really rise to the top and that they don't get, they don't suffer from political changes. We are often looked at as surrogate staff for communities and we're there to really shepherd a project from start to finish, whatever that project might be. Okay. So let's talk specifically about your organization, the Southern Indiana Development Commission. What counties do you cover? We cover Davies, Green, Knox, Martin, and Lawrence counties formally, and then informally, we have relationships with Owen, Dubois, Orange, and Crawford, where for Owen, we'll help out with infrastructure projects that they have there, and for Dubois, Orange, and Crawford, we help out with some housing initiatives that they have. The projects for us, they range from as small as like helping out on like pickleball courts uh, and planning initiatives to major infrastructure projects that that we help our communities with, you know, the largest being uh, starting out of uh, the only tri-county, three-county technology park in Indiana. All right. So that helps. And we talked in the previous podcast about how that regional planning commission in northern Indiana had helped with a road going into um, like the industrials and ag park in Cass County. So it does cover a broad range. Uh, So, Jeff, I want to bring Radius into the conversation. At some point, there was a proposal for a project which became known as SWITCH, Southwest Indiana Technology Collaboration Hub. SWITCH, how did it originate and what was the overall goal of SWITCH? 
You know, Switch began back in uh, the beginning of this process because at the time, uh, one of the institutions in our region, the Battery Innovation Center, which is a great facility, by the way, uh, they had some excess capacity. And so they provided what was really could have been an unmatched makerspace for innovators and entrepreneurs in Southern Indiana. We thought if we could identify that that population of innovators and, and uh, tech-related folks out there who might want to take advantage of the Bix facilities, uh, we could we could put together a system, you know, throughout the region that would make the Bix facilities available to those kind of folks. As it turned out, um, right about that time, the Bix began to really live up to its potential. It, its reputation grew across the country, and more and more. Companies came in, and um, by the time we got the switch study done, the BIC no longer really was available as that makerspace we had envisioned. Uh, so, but it was it was the vision, it was the thought that uh, the BIC is out there. It's got facilities that are unique in a rural region in particular, and we wanted to see if we could bring those out to the folks to use. So, Radius, uh, that's why we approached Greg and said we've got Radius money. We'll put into the the project if you can come up with some EDA funds. Okay. So let me just ask something else about that though. So, so really, I mean, you started this thinking that, that most of this activity was going to be focused at the battery innovation center, but as that space then became not available, then it sounds like then that provided the opportunity to, to then really think about how you could position this in, in other communities. Is that kind of what happened? You know, it, 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 it was a bit of an evolution in, in the process of putting together the RFP, you know, you required with EDA funds, uh, rightly so, to put together an RFP. And as we tried to define what we wanted to come out of the project, um, and we put that definition into the RFP, it became less BIC-centric. Uh, the BIC was still included in there and, and intended to be viewed as one of the maker spaces that might be available in the region. But, um, you know, we also said, you know, for whoever the ultimate contractor was who carried out the study, they were going to be able to identify other potential maker spaces or identify us where we needed to have maker spaces. Greg, back to you. Where did your organization enter into the Switch project? How did you support the project and, and become a part of it? Okay, I'm going to take you back to 2017. And there was a time where every community had this new brilliant idea, and they all had the same idea at the same time, that they're each going to build an entrepreneur, co-working, or makerspace in each of their communities. And this, while, you know, the initiatives sound great, and trying to help entrepreneurs and, and create that small business in their communities, it also made me concerned that it might bankrupt some of the communities that we're dealing with uh, when they don't have money for fire hydrants and we're going to support uh, an entrepreneur ecosystem that way. It, it was really concerning and everyone was looking to do something different and nothing was collaborative on it. And so Jeff had, was looking at the same issues and he really came to the conclusion that we really need to study the ecosystem of the region. And he was looking at like an 11 county region. And really wanted to see, you know, what's necessary 
for the entrepreneurs in the region? Are there entrepreneurs? Are there, you know, and what services do they actually need? It's not really good enough to have cheap space. Cheap space doesn't help entrepreneurs. It's really the services that are around uh, that's in the that cheap space that really makes an entrepreneur, you know, go from a one-person organization to a 50-person organization. And so Jeff reached out to me in 2018, um, and I think he had some funding from IEDC or some possibility of some funding from the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, but he didn't feel like it was going to be enough to really cover the cost of what this study needed to be. And so he reached out and said, hey, is there any funding that might be, I might be able to use this as match for so that we can increase the impact of this study. I, uh, we had a few conversations with the Economic Development Administration. Uh, that's where SIDC is good because we are considered the Economic Development District for the region. Uh, and so that gives us special privileges with EDA. We talked to EDA on a technical assistance grant around the, uh, January 2018. And then by May, we had an application turned in to EDA. Uh, and then by July, we were announcing the press release that we had gotten funding from EDA. We spent the remainder of 2018 really looking at selecting the right firm to perform the study. As you can imagine, there weren't a lot of models out there for this type of study uh, at the time. And so we were making it up as we, <laughs> as we went on what we thought we needed to know. And we met up with a group called Veritas through Courtney Zog, which many folks will know. And she put together a team that was really going to be able to carry us through the process that would help us looking at the entrepreneurs, but also what's needed in maker spaces and what's best practices for the future. We went through with Veritas. It was about a 12-month study. And then we finalized the study in early 2020. So what were some of the things that, I mean, that you learned in general from that study? I mean, we're going to talk about one specific part, but obviously that was covering a number of counties. So what did you learn from that and what were some of the general themes? So the general themes were, was number one, it, it confirmed our thoughts that not every community need to have it, have an entrepreneurial location for their entrepreneurs to land at or a maker space or you know, it didn't need to be that way, that the entrepreneurs in our region were willing to travel. And if we could set up a few key entrepreneurial hubs that maybe had slightly different services and then allow the region to or those entrepreneurs in the region to go and use the services from different entrepreneurial hubs, that that would be a better model for our rural region than it would be to try and reinvent the wheel in every community. And so they highlighted a few different locations that would be really good for us. Uh, one being the Westgate Crane Authority. Uh, that's really a defense entrepreneurs that are, that are coming out of that area. The Pantheon was another location where they really wanted to focus on agriculture and chemistry and Purdue was gonna be a big player there. They are a big player there. Uh, Bloomington was another uh, uh, regional hub and they have uh, you know a lot of focus on research and they utilize IU for some of that research there and then down in Dubois County 
there was another center that was done there, and that was more on furniture and manufacturing. And so we really, you know, I look at it as any, any someone locating in our area could really pull from four different entrepreneurial hubs that have services at each of those hubs that they could really utilize uh, for whatever phase of development that they're in. So let's shift then to um, sort of our topic today, and let's talk about one application you mentioned in passing the Pantheon. So now let's shift our focus to uh, Vincennes and Knox County, and I want to bring uh, Chris Paff and Nicole Like into the conversation to talk about specifically, you know, what were the opportunities that people were looking at and thinking about Knox County and Vincennes. So let's start before we get into the specifics, but both uh, Chris and Nicole, let's really sort of set the stage in terms of, you know, Vincennes, Knox County, uh, what were some of the challenges that were sort of long-term with downtown Vincennes and sort of the redevelopment and just the, the thinking in terms of, you know, what were the needs in Knox County and how did we get that inserted into the switch program? Well, you know, I am uh, I'm the uh, relative newcomer to this project because uh, I got to Knox County as the uh, local economic developer in uh, in June of 2020. Uh, and as you may re- recall, you know, that was the, the uh, really the beginning of the uh, uh, pandemic. But I remember that the first week uh, I got there on uh, uh, at the very beginning of June and that first week we had a board meeting on that Friday and we voted or my board of directors voted to support the Pantheon project, provide the matching funds for the EDA grant that we had uh, that we had already been awarded and then also um, a little bit extra for some additional renovations. So I remember spending uh, that first week on the job really talking to a lot of the stakeholders, especially, you know, city and, and county officials about the value of building a uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem in, in the community. And so, you know, I, I'm the new guy. And uh, and so I'm, uh, you know, stepping into this gladly. Uh, and I was so impressed by the work that had already been done by the, uh, you know, the switch study, for example. But, uh, but I felt very fortunate to be coming into a community that, you know, had already done in the region and SIDC, all the um, leadership that mattered in our community was really at the table and was unanimously in support, uh, or at least unanimously voted in favor of supporting this project. And, you know, fast forward three years later, and um, I think the Pantheon, especially through its recent marketing efforts, has really become a well-known project, uh, not just in our region, but throughout the state. There are, you know, key leaders throughout the state who've been paying attention to what we're doing there. And I think it's really starting to gain momentum just in the first few years. But going back to, uh, to 2020, that was really, you know, once we had that critical vote at least from our, our board of directors, we were really able to move forward. 
and um, especially with support, financial support, we really need to thank both the uh, county leadership and city leadership for moving this forward. But again, uh, you know, a lot of that heavy lifting on the, you know, the study and and the decisions by the community uh, to embrace this project really, uh, really were done before I came on the scene. Uh, and again, I would just say that, um, you know, I was very pleased to see the, uh, the progress that had already been made uh, by the time I got there. Uh, and Nicole, it seems to me that, you know, when you think about sort of the whole sort of streetscape in downtown Vincennes, Pantheon is such an imposing structure that has been there for such a long time. And for such a long time, it was always on, you know, the Indiana landmarks most endangered list. And so there was always a concern when I would show up with my camera that that I would show up and there would be a hole there. So so explain a little bit about sort of the significance of the Pantheon sort of within that downtown landscape. And then let's talk about sort of where you are today with that process. Surely um, would be happy to. The Pantheon is right smack dab in the middle of uh, the heart of our historic Main Street. Um, Vincennes is, of course, first city and also first Main Street in Indiana. So uh, we have been really lucky to preserve a lot of that original architecture you know, sometimes you drive through main streets and kind of what you referenced, there's a lot of holes, there's a lot of emptiness, um, buildings that have either burned down or been torn down. You don't see too much of that along our main street. Um, it would have been a tragedy to have lost the Pantheon. It is, like you said, a very imposing structure. It's large. It has very unique architecture. It, it was built in 19, well, it was opened in 1921. So when we opened our doors in December of 2020, we had almost reached that 100-year mark, and it was just so delightful to, to see life again in the Pantheon um, after 100 years. And it, it has, again, be, become a hub of activity, of, of vibrancy, of, of you know, commercial activity in the heart of our uh, bustling downtown. And I often have people remark that uh, they just love the vibe. They enjoy coming in and working. Uh, it's a creative environment. It's beautiful. It's compelling. It's all the things you want in the heart of your downtown district. So, um, but it, it all looks very good now. It, it wasn't that easy in the beginning. Um, and there's people that were part of the project way before I was part of the project and it was a it was a long struggle because economic development is never easy. And in rural Indiana, the type of economic development that the Pantheon deals with, entrepreneurism and helping new businesses, is relatively new. That kind of thought process of, well, we, you know, we help if if a manufacturing facility wants to come to our community, we would help incentivize that. But what are we doing to help homegrown businesses in our community uh, thrive? What kind of services are we offering? What kind of support are we offering? That's a new proposition in, in much of rural Indiana. And it was a proposition that, that had to be sold in our community. And it, um, we did that over, over several years. And now we're seeing the fruits of, of that work. And it's taken a, a full team, a full full court press. We are very blessed to have city and county and 
support from our, our Lido. Thank you, Chris. You, you were very humble there, but you were kind of thrown into the fire on the first week. So we will never forget that. And we had the support, of course, of our regional planning commission, SIDC. Without SIDC, we would not have been able to secure the, the EDA grant, which was approximately $800,000, which allowed us to finish the exterior work on the Pantheon which really needed to happen in order to, to make it, you know, fully usable. We all know what the Pantheon is and was, and, but, but maybe folks listening in other parts of the state. I mean, so you said in 1921, it opened as a vaudeville theater, probably originally as a theater. Uh, and so I think that probably also created some additional challenges in terms of, A, trying to think of a reuse, but then also thinking about how it was adapted to then become sort of what it is now. I think it's sort of a a bit of a community meeting space, maybe upstairs in the balcony, but then you have the co-working space then on the main floor. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that this was originally a theater. And, you know, am I am I mistaken in recalling? And of course, nobody will know who the hell uh, uh, Red Skelton was, but some people <laughs> will. So I think there was at least a legend that at some point that he performed there, right? That's correct, Lee. And we have a statue of young Red Skelton in bronze right, right out commemorate that. He actually sold papers. That's not a legend. He He told that story many times. He sold papers as a young boy out in front of the Pantheon. And he saw his very first uh, vaudeville production in the Pantheon when Ed Wynn, who was playing there, bought him a ticket. And so I always like to tell this story. Red comes into the Pantheon, gets his free ticket, goes up to the balcony. He had never been at a show before. Red was from a poor family. That just wasn't an option. And he gets up to the balcony and the the, uh, curtain opens. And Ed Wynn is the star of the show, the guy who had bought his ticket for him. And Red credits that moment in history as the point in time where he said, I want to make people laugh for a living. So I like to say that, you know, Red's dream kind of started in the Pantheon and dreams continue to start in the Pantheon. They're different types of dreams, right? But we have entrepreneurs every day who come in who are building new things or growing new businesses, growing wealth in our community, growing opportunity in our community. And our purpose is to resource them and provide them with the community that they that. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to follow up on something that uh, Nicole had mentioned and uh, and just expand on that a bit. And um, I, I say this to my board members and anyone who is in earshot, really, about our strategy or any community strategy for economic development, I believe really is, uh, you know, foundationally should include three things. Uh, Obviously, you know, things like business attraction get a lot of attention, especially when a new company moves to town. And usually we celebrate that pretty, pretty widely. Business retention and expansion, uh, I would argue, is the is the uh, uh, one of the others. And then economic gardening and and really building that, um, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystem, I think, is the third uh, component. And so having a partner in Nicole and the mission of the Pantheon for me as a, as a local Lido is, is so important because, you know, our office obviously can't, uh, can't do justice to all of those things. We primarily concentrate on BR&E uh, and attraction, obviously, but, uh, but being able to have a, a teammate uh, that, uh, 
you know, and a good teammate that is out there every day thinking about ways that we can support, um, you know, startups and young business owners and, uh, um, you know, the folks that are attracted to our co-working space and innovation hub. It is so important. And again, I would just reiterate how fortunate I feel to have uh, have the Pantheon and have Nicole as one of my teammates because uh, it, it definitely is a team sport. And, uh, and I just appreciate, uh, you know, all the good work that's, that is a result, not just of the physical space. I mean, we talk a lot about the Pantheon being a former theater and, you know, obviously a, you know, a location that people gather, but, uh, beyond that, the relationships and the, uh, um, and the business mentoring that goes on in this hub for our community and region is just so critical. I want to focus in on, on, on that. Especially, you know, Nicole, you've said a couple of times, you know, for a rural community. And I did a podcast with David Watkins from um, IEDC and talking about, you know, that entrepreneurial ecosystem. But as I sort of talk about that around the state, there are a lot of rural communities who say, well, we can't do that here because we don't have Purdue, we don't have IU. We don't have Notre Dame. We don't have the technology gurus. So we can't do entrepreneurship here because we don't have, you know, we don't have the technology people doing stuff. And and I think there's a misnomer that when you talk about entrepreneurship, that people think automatically, well, it's all about technology and software and all that stuff that we don't do. So what kinds of opportunities are you seeing that come through you know, the Pantheon that that is still entrepreneurship, what's happening there that, you know, allows you to do this? Well, we have, you know, some technology and innovation components because that's important in order to compete in in this global economy. You you have to tap into that. And luckily you can with with the Internet. Um, and then we have partnerships. So I would just encourage rural communities to ask for help because there's a lot of help out there if you're willing to ask for it. And, you know, we have partners with Purdue University. We are we are three and a half hours away from Purdue University, but um, they've been a great partner with us. They're a land grant university. They're willing to do things around the state of Indiana to help to help the state. So I am very grateful for our partnership with the Davidson School of Chemical Engineering and, and Dr. Sang Tae Kim and all he's done and the Department of Agriculture, too, at, at um, Purdue University. We also have a great partnership with Vince University, um, which is in our backyard. You know, Chuck Johnson is, has been a great partner. We're working with them. They have great assets when it comes to hands-on technology and job training and other things. And, and Vincent's is, is definitely a partner. Um, as far as other things going on beyond technology, we have a lot of different ideas coming through the Pantheon, everything from somebody who wanted to open up a new auto repair shop to uh, someone who is uh, has a flower farm, a wildflower farm out on out on some acreage and she opens that up. So those are those are not high tech type ideas, although I'm I know you know, I know being a mechanic is, is definitely high tech, but opening up a, a garage, you know, something that every community needs, right? A mechanic. There's all types of small business ideas. Another one, a home, a home health nurse had an idea to, to open up her home, own home health nurse agency. There's a shortage of that in our area. So we're helping her with her business plan and 
uh, marketing plan and, and getting her up and going on that. So all of these services that your community needs, those people are entrepreneurs too. We offer all types of workshops like QuickBooks, for example. That's that's a workshop that we always have a lot of people attend. And we have everybody from the person that owns the pizza parlor down the street coming to that to you know people who work at bigger businesses because most small business owners need to know how to use QuickBooks. So um, it doesn't have to be the big pie in the sky tech company. Sometimes it's just the everyday helping people who maybe already have existing businesses and want to grow them or make them more profitable or more efficient. They might need help with their operations plan. They may not know the first thing about social media and marketing and just need a little help with that. So I would just encourage rural communities to start somewhere because the most important thing to do is to start. And you can hey, always- Nicole, do you want to, I'm sorry. Um, do you want to mention some of the creative communities uh, that are hosted there as well? I'm thinking of um, like the creative market and things like that. Yeah. Great idea. Thanks, Chris. Um, we've also tapped into our creatives. A lot of times creatives in your community, um, they bring fresh ideas and, innovation and they just kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit about them. So we have, um, as Chris mentioned, the creative market. We have that regularly at the Pantheon. That's local vendors um, who who make things and, and sell them. We also have the photography club that meets at the Pantheon. So a lot of artists um, kind of convene there. And we've seen businesses come out of that. You know, we had a photographer who, who um, actually was an army veteran and loved photography, does beautiful work, but was trying to figure out how do I make a living out of it. So we connected him with the Indiana Arts Council's on-ramp creative program that they offer for entrepreneurs that are creatives. And he went through that program and came up with a great business idea. And now he has a product photography. And that's what he does. And he does beautiful work for people who are trying to sell their products online. And um, he has clients all over the place. So he's created a new business out of uh, something that he just loved to do. And it's that's what he does full time now. And so that was exactly the point I was hoping that you would get to, Chris and Nicole, is that notion that we have to expand our concept of when we think of entrepreneurs, that we don't exclude you know, those local needs, I mean, where, again, where you have someone who sees a local need, so it's it's auto mechanic, or it's the visiting nurse, or it's the photographer, who are entrepreneurs, and who are filling a need, and who are anchoring themselves in your community. And so it doesn't always have to stop at sort of technology. And and again, I think the problem is that a lot of communities stop and and only equate the idea of being an entrepreneur with technology uh, and don't necessarily always think about that hardware store down the street who is filling a need and has that same need for, you know, that business support in doing that. And I think what's critical and tying it all back together again is how, you know, the, the regional planning commission, how the economic development organization have been able to help create that anchor at the Pantheon so that it becomes that hub for people who are trying to start and sustain those businesses and support the community. And so I think that, again, is where 
it's a very visible landmark, but it also, you know, is playing a very critical role in terms of, of providing that kind of support. Um, so that tied it all together. And, and I appreciate that you, that you sharing that. Uh, are there other aspects of that switch plan um, that are sort of being implemented in other communities that it would be helpful to touch on? Greg, are there other aspects there that that are fulfilling some needs around your region? Yeah, certainly we're we're continuing to work the switch plan um, at our our local entrepreneur hubs, and so that's really you know the Pantheon was the first project coming out of that switch plan, uh, and it's been a, a rousing success there. And it's such a modern feel for an old building. It's it's just a really cool place. Other initiatives that are that are happening there that are switch based is is really uh, there's a lot of things going on at the Westgate Crane Authority, uh, and what was nice is that there was overlap between the Pantheon and the Authority, where Purdue was at both locations, and so they would often collaborate on different programming that could be seen or viewed from both locations, or people would travel from Vincennes to Westgate and Westgate to Vincennes for these different events. And so, you know, there's just a lot of defense related initiatives that are happening there for that in that region. Uh, and so, you know, right now it's really kind of exciting because we're seeing, you know, we talked about, you need to have a university attached to a, uh, you know, an entrepreneur hub. And really, you know, we're at that point now where Purdue is wanting to send researchers uh, into the region estimates of up to 100 researchers to help with the micro microelectronics projects that are going to be landing there at, at the Westgate. And so it, it really are we're seeing a takeoff of the good efforts, the steady, consistent efforts for entrepreneurship really take shape and at, out at the Westgate right now. So as far as like other projects in the regions that that regional planning commissions get into, it, it's just a myriad of what all we might be working on. I mean, we've been really focused in the past year on on helping bring COVID relief funding to small businesses. And so we had grants and stuff going on for all of our, uh, our different counties where small businesses that were affected by the pandemic could receive some funding from, the, from their communities. And so that was really important for us to get out and help those small businesses that way. Uh, we looked a lot at digital inclusion so we actually wrote a digital inclusion plan for Knox County uh, and helped implement a lot of that digital inclusion plan there and and implemented a lot of training that was done out at the Pantheon. Uh, so it was another reuse there at the Pantheon building for SIDC. Of course, we're finalizing the Pantheon with grants that, that's always an ongoing process of monitoring uh, and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing out there. And Nicole does such a good job out there that it's there's no worries with that. And then, you know, our next project in Knox County is really looking at expansion of infrastructure out at their industrial park. And so we're getting a, another chance to work with Chris uh, and his board uh, to help expand out at the industrial park, which is, you know, needed for the next, you know, endeavor that's going to happen out at that park. With a, a lot of ours, our focus is we have kind of three divisions in, in at SIDC. We have a community development division, which kind of works on those infrastructure projects and quality of life projects. We have an environmental division that works on brownfields, 
uh, both residential, commercial, and then also um, owner-occupied rehabilitation and rental rehabilitation. And so we've, you know, part of that need that we've seen in our region has also been residential. What do we do with blighted homes? And so we've created a land bank uh, that's covering a six-county area. And so that land bank is up and going now. And so we're looking at properties to, to receive from commissioner sales or to purchase and then get those properties back on the tax rolls that way. And like I said earlier, we're, we're working on micro the microelectronics infrastructure out at the Westgate of Crane. That way we can bring in a consortium of microelectronic organizations into that Westgate there. And then, you know, there's multiple Department of Defense initiatives that are kind of happening right now where they're looking to grow uh, in hypersonics and microelectronics and just all kinds of different technology that's happening out there. So we get to assist on a lot of those infrastructure projects there for the military, but also we've got a bunch of infrastructure projects that are going on for our local communities. So it could be as small as, you know, fixing a well or or wastewater lines or water collection lines and that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of, a little bit of everything. And then kind of lastly, we've been working a lot with the, the Department of Defense lately because what we found is that it is a resource that has funding and it is really tough to sometimes find consistent grant funding to help communities. And, but the Department of Defense really has a lot of money related around community collaboration with the military, the with NSA Crane. And so really we've been putting projects together to that have helped with encroachment issues uh, that would be going on with the military installations. And then also we're moving to resilience where climate change is, is really the next issue that, that the military is trying to tackle because they you know are trying to move from when there's a natural disaster that comes and affects a base or a wildfire or something like that that it doesn't have their operations out of, you know, out of service for more than a couple hours. And so we're, we're looking at a lot of those projects right now that could build resiliency into the military installation, but as well parlaying that into helping out our communities around the naval base there. So, uh, and then, yeah, we get into a little bit of pickleball every now and then, trying to help communities build parks out <laughs> and get those pickleball courts built. So we just got a full... Uh, plate at SIDC, and we uh, just love working for our communities. So again, our point with with this podcast and the one before is to you know think about those connections as economic developers are looking at building capacity and thinking about that that they should be you know reaching out to their regional planning commissions as a way of thinking about how do they provide some support in that sort of that continuum. So then, Jeff, from your perspective, longer term, how will you measure the success of the SWITCH project? I think the SWITCH study and the findings and the resulting actions have been um, proof to us that development of an entrepreneurial ecosystem in a rural region is going to continue to be a challenge. The lack of density we have of entrepreneurs and of facilities means that it takes uh, extra care and very thoughtful application of resources in order to um, build out a system that's going to let entrepreneurs maximize uh, what they can do. You know, we, we've learned about uh, what 
potential travel times are, what you know, what the the travel shed is for a potential maker space or a, a co-working space. And it also helped us understand that there are different subpopulations that might engage in and, and support ecosystem elements. So a lot of good knowledge that um, I think is always going to be applicable in the future. And of course, then in Vincennes, seeing what what has happened over there with the Pantheon is, is um, a sign of success. Uh, Nicole and Chris, any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, Lee, I would just mention, I, I don't want to fail to mention another partner that has been critical, and that's the Indiana Small Business Development Center that's you know funded through the SBA and then also um, the IEDC. Without their support, and that's another organization that a rural community could could definitely tap into. Our ISBDC advisors who come up from Evansville, which is about an hour away from Vincennes, they come up almost weekly, uh, Julie Foles and Brian Southern. And I know since January at the Pantheon, they have assisted over 80 small business owners and entrepreneurs in our community alone. And they are highly trained, highly effective, and they provide everything from business plan development to marketing plan development, operations help. Um, These are experts in their field and they sit down and they really help to guide and advise existing business owners and startups and that is a huge resource that we have that that we don't pay for. So, you know, kudos to them and for that partnership and, and just, you know, we couldn't do it without them. And just again, it, it's all about collaboration. I know we say that word a lot, but the Pantheon would not exist if it not, were not for city, county, uh, KCID and, and our local donors who've been very generous and, and also the state of Indiana through IEDC. Well, Andrew Carty at IEDC will be happy to hear you say those nice things about the Indiana Small Business Development Center. I did a podcast with him that we haven't released yet, but yes, so it's good to have sort of validation from the field in terms of the work they're doing. Chris, any final thoughts? You know, I think um, if there's a theme for this uh, podcast, it's really the fact that collaboration and partnering is uh, so critical uh, for regionalism and 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 local communities and again especially rural communities we talk a lot about human capacity who's going to do the work and just the expertise that you know folks bring to the table so you know without regional planning commissions and and uh, you know SBDC and and the state and all these factors i i feel like that uh, you know regionalism collaboration and partnering is really what's moving us forward so it's uh, it's a it's a good time to be in economic development <laughs> all right. Thanks. That's a good good parting comment. I want to thank you all for sharing your time and insight today. I've been talking with Greg Jones, Director of the Southern Indiana Development Commission, Jeff Quile, President and CEO of Radius Indiana, Chris Paff, CEO of Knox County Development Corporation, and Nicole Like, CEO and President of the Pantheon in Vincennes, Indiana. I want to thank you all for your time and your thoughts today. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate it. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content on this podcast is copyright 2023 
by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to this content. And by the way, the theme music was composed and performed by me, Lee Llewellyn. Thanks.